It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. We've got some things to talk about, some interesting things, some sad news, some some good news. And I think I want to start off really by relating, you know, there, there's so much sadness in the world today. There's so much hatred and, and, you know, distrust and despair. I want to share with the rest of the universe, you know, something that I believe is, you know, something that's uplifting and, and, and we'll lift our spirits because we just came off a really devastating bowl loss. Ohio state basketball hasn't looked super hot for the past couple games. And we'll definitely get to that, but I want to, I want to get into uh, you know, something that a beloved member of the Ohio state football team um, put out there today, something that I think really will transform your life a little bit. This is from uh, you know, famed uh, Ohio State lineman, uh, Kevin Boydke. And, you know, he put out a statement today. He spent five years in Columbus and he's, you know, of course, going to the NFL draft. You know, we're not really sure which round, but probably a high, high draft pick. So um, I just want to read his statement that he put out today. And, and I think this will really put a lot of things in perspective for a lot of us. So this is from Kevin. After a great five years at Ohio State, I am being forced to begin the next chapter. No matter how hard I fight it, I am forced to leave Ohio State, so I might as well declare for the 2020 NFL Draft. I am extremely grateful for the people who helped me sustain my career at Ohio State as long as possible. Without their help, I would have never been there in the first place. Now, a very fair question that most of you are asking, who is this kid? That is very valid, and I totally understand why nobody would have heard of me. I have done nothing to even remotely warrant attention in any way. I am one of the guys in the hype videos that stands in the back and looks like a mix of Buddy the Elf and Marv from Home Alone. I have silently earned zero national awards and truly want to thank everyone who helped me achieve this honor. I'll never forget you for this. To my teammates, thank you for making these years unforgettable. Without you guys making all the athletic and spectacular plays, I would have never been able to glide under the radar like I did. From Jerome Baker's interception in the spring game, overshadowing my worst pass block rep ever, to Blake making every field goal so I never had to tackle anyone in a real game, I really appreciate the work you guys put in to make the team what it is and the man I am today. Uh, lastly, shout out to the athletic training staff for keeping me alive these many years from the endless inhalers you have provided to help my asthma all the way to helping me deal with my peanut allergy. Thinking back on it, it's honestly a miracle I'm not dead yet. Five gold pants, three Big Ten championships. That's it. There's nothing else. There are no other awards. Go Bucks and thank you, Buckeye Nation, Kevin Woodkey. And I just got to say, this is this is to me the uh, the epitome of an Ohio State athlete. And I just appreciate that he put that out there so that we can kind of remember it. And by the way, look up John 1135 in the uh, in the Bible. It's a great passage, maybe the best. So just want to put that out there. I appreciate that, Andy. I don't know how you feel about Kevin, but maybe maybe a little underrated, you know, maybe somebody we didn't focus on enough in the dubcast over the years. I, I got to say, if I was Drew Chrisman, I would be torqued beyond belief that this cat stole my thunder like uh right. you know a couple of days ago uh chrisman had what i thought was the best uh of these little instagram twitter graphics right. that that every it's seeming like like every player on the team put out this season you know he's just the the nice little trolling picture of him throwing the pass uh on that fun little fake uh yeah fake kick play earlier in the season and right. announces that he's not declaring for the 2020 draft and we all had a a good lol props to you chrisman moment and then Woodkey just blows it out of the water yeah, i mean this is uh you know this by the is way continuing i gotta tell you something the the long-standing tradition of the um 
the specialists on the team, the special teamers and, you know, the guys doing long snapping and all that kind of stuff of really just being by far the best, you know, Twitter follows, social media follows in general. I really think there's a, there's a chance for the offensive linemen to kind of slip in there a little bit. Big old Dwan Jones, that dude has been putting out some pretty great content over the past few months. And I'm just saying, man, there's an opportunity for the the big guys to eat a little bit when it comes to the the social media game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that next season. Especially there's so many personalities on this team, you know. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Dewan's full of content. You got uh, Damon Arnett's always ready to, uh, you know, talk somebody down. I'll, I'll, I just love the personality. <laughs> right. And so you see this uh, come up from the the, the, the ranks of the, the former walk-ons. I'm, I'm all about it. I will say while um, John 11.35 is one of my favorite verses, I'm especially partial to Ezekiel 25.17. <laughs> That's uh, right. Little little film reference for friends uh, who are paying attention to the program. Yeah, I'm all about the content and uh, shout out to Wade Key for keeping it real. Yeah, it was excellent. I got to tell you, so here's the deal. You know, you have all of these players kind of, you know, leaving and staying and all these announcements that are coming out and pretty predictable up to a certain point. I mean, if you want to talk about J.K. Dobbins, okay, he's going into the NFL draft. You want to talk about Chase Young's fine, going to the NFL draft. Jeff Okuda, probably top five, top ten pick, going to the NFL draft. But one of the things that did happen, one of the things that we should mention, which is also on the positive side of things, is Sean Wade coming back. And Sean Wade, I mean, I think it depends on who you talk to, but he was maybe a second, third-round pick. I, you know, you could have even slipped maybe at the end of the first round. So I would say that to me, this was a little bit unexpected. Um, maybe it became more expected once the format of how he was making the announcement was known. But are you surprised? Did you expect him to come back or do you think he was going to stay? Before all the, before we found out about kind of the narrative about how his announcement was going to play out. If I asked you, let's say even before the Clemson game, is Sean Wade going to be back for his senior season? Would you have said yes or no? I think the targeting ejection made it a lot more likely that he would come back. Like that's a, yeah. now, now, now granted, you know, he had a similar situation with Boza uh, and, and he did go and, and so, okay, fine. Um, you know, the, the question about whether you go or not, it's pretty simple. If you're going to be a first round pick, you go. Yeah. If, if you're a second round, if you feel confident you're a second round pick and you don't think you can play yourself into a first round pick, you go. Right. And if you're third round or later, you come back, right? Like that's a, that's a pretty simple heuristic. Now the hard part is accurately gauging whether or not you think, you know, which round you're actually going to fall in, how much you believe. Yeah. Your, your, your <laughs> if you're, you maximized your talent and you're still a third round pick, then go ahead and go, you know, then, go. I mean? like then go do your deal. Right. So, but, but with Wade here, you know, if you think, all right, um, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, a mid to late round second pick, but I've got first round level talent. And mm -hmm. I think I'm really going to shine in this defense next year because I'm going to be the man right. uh, instead of one of several, then, Hey, maybe this makes a lot of sense. I, I think, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting decision. Part of me says it's a smart decision because I think he can play himself into a first round pick. Mm -hmm. I think he has that, that kind of skill and talent, but, but I think if he had, as the kids say these days, balled out, that game and Ohio state wins and goes on to the championship game, then it's much more likely that he pulls the pen and goes well, and, and makes bank, but right. And gets, the, and gets more favorable right. you know, you know, rating from Absolutely. Those. Cause he was, cause he was going to make a big difference in the, the rest of that game. You know, if yeah. we, we talked about that at yeah. infinitum last week, you know, his, his leaving the game early was a pivotal point in the, the tone and tenor and momentum of the game. So, 
you don't want to go out on that note. You don't want to go out yeah. on that note if you're not a a sure top five draft pick like um, the, the when we had the analogous situation with Boza. Yeah, that was you knew he was going to be a top five pick. Nothing more you could do. Swallow the tough pill and go on. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing, I you know. There is a big difference between top 10 pick money and 25, even even in the first round, like 25, 27, 31, whatever pick money. Like there is a significant difference. If he feels that he can be a top 10 player, which if you look at the track record of, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks going into the NFL draft, like if you can be the man and perform up to a certain level, then yeah, you can make banks. So this is one of those situations where I actually think it's not a, a dumb play at all to come back to college and, and try for that. You know, you look at a guy like Richard Sherman who bet on himself and his new contract and everybody was laughing at him for it. And well, the dude just made himself, you know, tens of millions of dollars essentially um, by, you know, betting on his own abilities. So I think Sean Wade's kind of doing the same thing. And he's like saying, look, you know, I can become an Akuda type guy where if I'm the featured member of this defense, the defense performs well, who knows, maybe I'll be a top 10 pick and, and earn another, you know, couple dozen million dollars. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad move normally in a player in that situation, like you're crazy for not going. But for him, I think he genuinely has a real possibility of making bank in the nfl so more power to him and obviously i'm happy about it because you know ohio state's gonna get a really good player coming back um as opposed to basically replacing all of your secondary now you're replacing all of them except for sean wade so that's nice um so i don't know man i i I think this will have an impact obviously for the defense next season the bigger issue is who is going to be the coach directing that and there's been some you know like rumors on the internets uh, about you know we talked about this Kerry Combs coming back I, who knows if that's actually going to happen or not we hope that it does that would be amazing um, but I really think you know if you got a star and Sean Wade coming back and then let's say you get Kerry I, I think that actually sets Ohio State up pretty well and a part of their defense that looked to be a little shaky going into 2020. So I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about this going forward. I'm feeling good about the future of Ohio State defense. Yeah, and I just got to say, you know, Tom, Tom Brady, uh, Michigan man to the end, you know, tanks this playoff game against the Titans so that Kerry <laughs> can't right. come back and start recruiting. Just um, missed. That's right. Just right away. Yeah, that's I mean, that that is it's the only a, explanation. The Beach Boys said, "Be true to your school," and Brady is Michigan man to the core, doing that. I mean, just straight up dirty to the Buckeyes there. Uh, by the way, is Mike Vrabel the coolest cat ever? I I don't know. You can't say enough good things about about Vrabel. Like seeing good things happen for him and Coombs on the the, the NFL level. I mean, yeah. looking back, and I, I want to before I before I forget about it, I looked up just to see the difference between second round and first round money. I mean, it's real adult money, right? So if you're sure. if you're picked in that 33 to 41 range, this is some data. I think it was Sport Track broke this down. I saw um, total value for a rookie contract seven to seven and a half million. About three and a half of that could be signing bonus. Right. You, you move up, you know, to pick number 32. So so last pick, you know, that's 10 million dollar rookie contract. Five million of that say is is signing bonus. So I mean, you have you've added three to three and a half million dollars just in one picks difference. Right. Yeah. And, and let's say, okay, you, you're a top, you become a top 15 pick, you know, it's a $14 million say rookie contract with an $8 million signing bonus. So you've literally doubled your money in just 15 picks time. So, I mean, the, the way these rookie contracts are structured, the uh, first round money is real adult money. It is. Um, and so you can look at guys, 
like Chase Young and, and Jeff Okuda are going to be top top five picks. Those are $30 million contracts. You make that, you know, that rookie contract is a top five pick. Life is suddenly real good. Yeah. And, and a lot of it too is about maximizing earning potential as soon as you get into the league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you really got to make sure that first contract is a really favorable contract. You have no longer going to be in there. And the amount of, you know, guaranteed cash that you're going to get the longer you're in the league just keeps going down and down and down. So you really, man, you really, really have to establish yourself early. So again, like I said, it's, it, it is a smart move, I think, on Sean Wade's part. And obviously a, a fun move you know, for us as fans because, you know, you want to see him back. He's a great player and it'll, he'll definitely bolster that defense. You know, the other losses are going to be difficult to replace. I mean, you look at J.K. Dobbins and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks and months about who is going to be the guy to kind of step up and kind of try to replace the production that he had. I don't know how you do that. I, don't, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Master Teague and I think, I think he's a talented player, but I also don't know that he has nearly the wiggle that JK does. I mean, mm-hmm. probably the his biggest asset, JK Dobbins' biggest asset, and what I actually think will help him in the NFL more than a guy with like top end speed, which he doesn't necessarily have, um, is just his ability to juke dudes in a phone box. You know what I mean? In a phone yes. booth. Like he can he his lateral movement is so good. And, you know, the field obviously was hurting him a little bit, uh, you know, in the last few games there, but um he is just so good at cutting on a dime. And I don't know that Master Teague has that ability. So they got to find a guy that's going to be able to get them extra yards after first contact. And Teague can probably push some dudes, you know, a few yards, but I just don't know that he's the game breaker that JK wasn't. And frankly, how do you, I mean, the guy just had the best single rushing season in Ohio State football history. It's going to be really hard to replace that no matter who the dude is. Um, I think so that's I what think I worry Warren, about a little bit. Chase Young, we've got guys on the offensive line, right? Okuda, there's going to be dudes that will pop up and they can coach up some of those guys to to play corner and do it well. But to me, the biggest loss is JK because I don't know how you replace that kind of production. It's going to be interesting. One of the things I'm curious to see, Ryan Day's play calling and the design of an offense, his ability to adjust it to the personnel, yeah. you know, so far has been pretty incredible, right? So you look at, Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is quarterback having this, you know, just otherworldly season as a quarterback and, and say one of the best single seasons, uh, Ohio state quarterbacks ever had had a bajillion and a half touchdowns. It seemed like, and then you, you bring in Justin Fields, who's a very different player, um, you know, but, but different, uh, animal in terms of what he can do with his legs. Um, you know, still a, an incredible passer. And so you saw, you know, the playbook, you know, evolved a bit to to meet that skill set and to exploit J.K. Dobbins' ability. So I, I wonder, you know, with Master Teague presumably as the bell cow out of the backfield, not having that ability to break ankles left and right, maybe you see a lot more, and particularly because you've you've had such a strong interior um, set a set of interior alignment. Maybe you see more run up the gut. You know, let let uh, Teague just literally blow guys out of the middle of the field maybe you see more some of those inside um option type plays that that we saw in maybe the jt barrett era and you ask fields to make more of these pull or give reads and you know there's some fun things that you could see happen there i think you just see the the offense evolve to what your talent can do and day has proven to be pretty masterful at that in the the early seasons we've seen him as play caller in chief yeah, I mean, it's the numbers are really kind of staggering, actually. When you look at 2018, you know, where obviously you've got to lean on 
uh, the quarterback for a whole variety of reasons, in part because J.K. wasn't having a good season, but also because it's just, you know, that was their their strength. I mean, there were 5,100 passing yards for Ohio State in 2018 combined with about 2,400 rushing yards. So that's Mm -hmm. literally a two-to-one ratio of passing to rushing last season for Ohio State, or in 2018, rather, for Ohio State. That is first of all, insane. Like that's not something that you see. I don't, I really got to do some research on this because I cannot believe that's ever happened in the history of Ohio State football. So that's hilarious. And then you have almost a perfect one-to-one ratio in 2019. In 2019, Ohio State threw for about 3,700 yards and they ran for about 3,700 yards. There's about a 50, 60 you know, yard difference between the two. So to me, that's staggering and it's also as you said a really good indication that ryan day is not a guy who is so unbelievably wedded to a system or something like that you know that he's going to force you know a square peg into a round hole he's actually going to actually uh look at his personnel and see what do i need to do to make sure that this team's successful and so i agree with you man they're going to figure out what works for that team and that's what I want to see. I love that. I We got so frustrated in the last couple of years of Urban Meyer that it was like, you can't just keep running, you know, JT Barrett up the gut every single, you know, time you get in third and short. Okay. You got to figure something else out. To me, Ryan Day seems like the guy who is just constantly thinking about keeping his opponent, um, you know, off kilter and, and figuring out what's going to be most effective for his team. So I, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, like I said, I still worry about how you replace the production, but as you said, he'll figure out something to make sure that it's most effective for the personality has. And I think that's probably his greatest strength as a coach right now that we're well, seeing, you know, urban Meyer for years was said, do we want, uh, you know, 250 yards passing 250 yards rushing? That was, that was the, the game plan, right? You want that balanced attack. You look back, you, you use the, uh, the aggregate statistics, the one-to-one, I mean, the per game average, 263 yards passing 267 yards rushing that's yeah. a, i mean that's an incredible amount of balance for a team across 14 games yeah it's I mean, really it's kind of mind-blowing I, I also found this interesting i love looking at data you know justin fields was uh at just about the third best passer rating on the the team this season i mean gunner hoke had a 300.6 passer rating going a perfect <laughs> six for six there you go that's, that's pretty incredible uh drew chrisman we mentioned earlier you know finished the season with a 276.4 passer rating and getting better than that yeah i just i'm, I'm loving it it's great okay moving on from uh useless statistics <laughs> that will numb the mind and, and rot well, your teeth you, the, so we we talked about the offense a little bit and we started yeah. this conversation this kind of journey around robin hood's barn with uh, a look at, at Sean Wade coming back and, and that that was the the one potential early departure that didn't happen. So what are we feeling about this this defense? I thought there was a nice article uh, our man Colin Hassell put out earlier this week looking at how Wade um, is the linchpin of is, yeah. this defense next season. So how are you feeling about that as you look down through what the, the revamped silver, silver bullets will look like? I really think, you know... <laughs> A lot of people are sleeping on the defensive line, I think, because of Chase Young not being there. And, and true, yeah, it's it's hard to replace 16-plus sacks. And he, you know, was really impressive, even when he wasn't getting a lot of sacks. A lot of people said he was having these down games. I think that's ridiculous. I think he was impacting almost every play that he was in, even when he wasn't getting sacks. But there's a lot of talent on the defensive line. So I think I'm, I'm pretty solid on that. I feel pretty good about that. As, you know, Colin pointed out, I mean – Sean Wade really is the glue, right? Like he's the guy who just holds all of that together. 
uh, because of his ability to do a lot of different things defensively and kind of play a more rangy, like, he, you know, he, his specific position really helps the rest of the defense out. Um, I'm still a little worried about the um, linebackers. And I think that you have seen a lot of improvement in the past season over, you know, what we saw in the previous seasons uh, in terms of linebacker play. But um, yeah, I just, to me, that is going to be, in terms of the actual defense, I, I still think the linebackers taking bad angles, maybe not being the same kind of athlete as you saw with like a guy like Ryan Shazier, which I mean, who was, but um I guess what I'm saying is, is that you need to have guys that complement what you're going to see uh, from the secondary in terms of like a lot of athleticism and speed. And then also on the defensive line, which I think is going to bring the same amount. You got to have guys that can keep up with the pace of play. And, and you've just seen linebackers get lost in the wash a lot this past season. Um, and you can't have that happen. So that's where I'm worried about. I think they'll be good, but I, I'm worried about how the linebackers are going to play. One thing that makes me sad is not uh, having BB Landers and that awesome cowboy hat uh, yeah, coming out every season. I mean, it is kind of sad, you know, when we had senior day a while back, but as I look at the departures Ohio State's going to have uh, or has had you know, with the senior, the senior class, there, I mean, there have been some really incredible, really incredible players that are going out in this class. And even if they're not all going to be first round draft picks, I mean, there were some just the defensive line talent has has been fantastic uh, just a lot of a lot of neat personalities out of this class that are are heading off into greener pastures but yeah good 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 take it's going to be a pretty senior heavy linebacking core next it will next go around yeah, yeah. pretty and pretty you gotta have an idea what I mean, you're the other thing get. You might is you might see some guys change positions and whatnot um you know, Kevin brought this up during the uh, – I don't know if he brought it up during the actual Fiesta Bowl or maybe later, but a guy like Browning, for example, who is devastating coming off the edge sometimes in blitzes. I mean, the guy is just like a freight train, gets so turned around in coverage and takes really poor angles a lot of the time. He might be a valuable person to try out at you know defensive end and see if he can make an impact that way because – to me, that that's a liability, and Sean Wade's you know going to perform the best, and I think support the team the best when he doesn't have to worry about you know picking up the trash that the linebackers don't you know get to. So to me, you really got to have some guys that can free him up to really cause chaos in the defensive secondary. So I don't know, man. It, it'll be interesting to see how they develop and and who they are looking at as the season goes on, or excuse me, as the summer goes on for maybe early starters, because I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity for some really young guys, even the incoming freshmen, to make an impact quickly. So I'm looking for that. That'll be fun to watch. That'll be really fun to watch how that competition shakes out. Um, the other thing that we need to talk about, and this is, again, you know, we were getting into happier thoughts, and this is kind of more depressing thoughts. The Ohio State men's basketball team did not look so good against the Wisconsin buzz cuts. Uh, did, not, did not work out super hot. Uh, Kyle Young, you know, had to have his appendix removed before it exploded. And uh, luckily he's fine. He was on the sidelines looking good. He should be back hopefully relatively soon. Um, but they just, they didn't have it. And it's not that they, you know, were really, I think, outmatched necessarily. I mean, that was one of my big worries is that just in terms of like bodies, they wouldn't be able to compete. And I think there was some of that, but they just, they didn't look like the same team that was dominating other teams, other big name teams in, you know, November and December. That's the thing that's kind of, you know, on one hand, you say it's kind of mind blowing when we were talking about coming out of that non-conference schedule, 
how great Ohio State was, and they played all of these blue chip brands, uh, North Carolina being one that maybe looks less and less good the longer the season goes on because they're less and less good as the season goes on. But looking at that game, you know, there was a time early in that second half versus Wisconsin where I thought, okay, they're going to get this together. I mean, they came out of the half hot and went on, I think, a little 10-0 run or something along those lines. And it's like, all right, we're, we're good, we're good. And they just, they couldn't, you know, Caleb Wesson was pretty much the only guy who um, really stepped up in that game. I'm, I'm glad we can joke about young playing through a burst appendix. Like glad that story turned out to, to hopefully have a happy yeah, ending, but yeah. shout out to Caleb for being just the 59th Buckeye in school history to score a thousand career points. That's uh, very cool. Uh, yep. But that was about the only cool thing that happened. Um, shooting was, you know, not super great in that uh, 40 percent okay but that's the thing though because they actually shot better than wisconsin did. that's the th- yeah significantly better like it was they shot 40 and a half percent wisconsin shot about 37 and a half percent if you look at rebounds they're almost the same to me the problem is is that you had two dudes who are doing all the scoring dj carton was out there on the on the court for like over 20 minutes and did not register a single point like that's that is not the team that we have seen no. in the past few months. Like that is not what they need, and it's just to me it, they they were not playing Ohio State basketball. And Chris Holtman was pissed. And I think honestly, more than the win or the loss or anything like that, I, I think he was angry that they just were not playing Ohio State basketball and the type of basketball that got them to eleven and zero and or ten and zero or whatever it was, and you know was got him to second ranked in the country i always find it interesting running my fingers down the box score and and see okay what stands out and you're right ohio state had the better shooting percentage uh wisconsin shot almost 10 more shots they took took that many more shots than ohio state did so that that, that tells you one thing they were they were putting the rock up more um you know outshot them from three but again wisconsin took about three more shots the one that just blows my mind you know the buzz cuts as you call them had uh 20 points off the bench Ohio State had two like yeah. that's, a, that's a huge differential there and and other than that was just turnovers I mean Ohio State had some turnovers that you're just like banging your head against the table it wasn't that they had that I many it was 14 turnovers to 10 okay fine but it's just some of them you're like oh man they were momentum killers and happened at terrible times and yeah I if I were Holtman I'm not saying I was throwing the chair out to the free throw line but probably <laughs> uh he's probably pro- probably about that maddening yeah, uh, I mean, Dwayne game. Washington. It was, it was kind of ugly basketball at times. Yeah, Dwayne Washington should not be taking 19 shots, right? Like that's it. Just it. It felt with the absence of Kyle Young, they just felt that they didn't have the means to compete against Wisconsin, except by just lobbing a bunch of like you know jumpers from three or thereabouts and hoping that they go in. And it the the problem is that when you miss a guy like Kyle Young, who again is is a good player but not a spectacular player. But when you miss that, I think they lose their inside outside presence. They just became like a Papa shot team. And that's great when they're going in. But you know, again, Dwayne Washington taking 19 shots and yeah, he scored 18 points, but that's because you know he made you know four of them were threes and then which is great. But there's no point. There's no point to have DJ Carton out on the, you know, on the court or Liddell out on the court for 13, 21 minutes, respectively, uh, and then get two points out of it. This is silly. It doesn't actually stretch the court at all. It doesn't make Wisconsin have to worry about anybody else. And that's, again, not what the MO for Ohio State basketball has been up until this point. It's been a very like, okay, who's ever open is getting the ball and we're going to score a point. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, like I said, Caleb had a great game. He, he did great, he, but nobody else stepped up, and that's just not how I think this team is going to find success. Yeah, and so, so now you find yourself on the wrong end of a two-game skid, and right. you know things don't things don't let up. Uh, no, they for, don't. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're going on the road to Maryland, number fifteen, Maryland. By the way, Tuesday night, and then you're right back uh, on the road going the other direction at Indiana on Saturday um, before you come back home and, and host Nebraska uh, the following week. So, I mean, you've got a pretty tough schedule and then it's Penn state, Minnesota, you know, back yeah. back to close out um, January. I mean, so you, you've got a pretty tough, pretty tough road to hoe here. January is going to be a really tough month of conference play for this team. And, you know, February doesn't get any young. better, dude. <laughs> no, no. That's the no. thing. They got to play Indiana. Then they got to play Michigan. Then Wisconsin again. Rutgers is 11 and three somehow. Uh, but then Purdue, Iowa, Maryland. I mean, this this is not an easy road to hoe for Ohio State men's. They got to figure this out. They they have to kind of stop the bleeding here. And again, this is this still an NCAA tournament team? Yes. I think they will will easily get in. But their record is probably not going to be as great as their really hot start start to the season kind of suggested. They've got to play some really tough games, both at home and on the road. Um, yeah, I, you know, and then and then you look at March and it's okay. They still got to play Michigan. They still got to play Michigan State. So there's, you know, the Big Ten is stacked this year, and there are really no guaranteed weeks off, frankly. Yeah, so that's that's why it's important to make sure that you know they get back to full strength and that they're able to play the type of basketball that they had been playing up to this point. And that's, I mean, that's a good you know, thing we need to not let get biased. The Big Ten is the best basketball conference in the country this season. The ESPN and one of their wonky uh, analytical things, I guess BPI is their their round ball version of FPI. I, I don't know the ins and outs of whatever their logarithms are, but it, but it has the Big Ten. Uh, as as a healthy um, best conference over the Big 12, projecting 8.8 tournament teams out of the Big 10. That's pretty good. You know, eight teams currently in their BPI top 25, all uh, 11 of the 14 in the top 50. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible. You compare that to the ACC, um, where they have, you know, five projected tourney teams, three in the top 25, five in the top 50. So when you think Tobacco Road, that's ACC's the basketball conference, um, and they're all the way down in fourth this season because some of those blue chips are not so blue this year. Ken Palm still got the Buckeyes at number four, right behind Michigan State. Um, so you know, again, we this is still there's still a lot of good in this team. You just don't like to see them on a on a back to back skid going into a pretty meaty uh, conference schedule in January. Right, and like I said, you want to get some people healthy. You want to make sure everybody's ready to go, and you know, do what. They had been doing up until this point. Uh, you know, you look at the North Carolina one, a lot of people were super geeked about that. That's maybe not as impressive uh, as it once was. And and that's the kind of thing that'll happen, right? Especially with early season wins against teams that are like, yeah, this is awesome. But I don't know, man. We'll we'll see what it looks like come March. I still think this is a good team. I still think they're, you know, going to be dangerous towards the end of the season. But they've, they've just got to right the ship a little bit. And hopefully they're able to do that in the next few games. Uh, just as a reminder, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. So uh, that is drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of good things. Check it out. Let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. If you want to ask us anything, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast 
on Twitter. Let's start with our good friend Alvin. Alvin just wants to know, Happy New Year. Do we have any resolutions? Do do you have any resolutions for this new year, Andy? Yeah, not really. It's been a while since I've gotten serious about a resolution. There are probably some uh, habits I've tried to think about recommitting to. So maybe the best example is the the stunning Mrs. Vance um, has has become something of a runner. We, we're trying to do, uh, and I say we meaning she, um, <laughs> trying to do a 5K pretty much once a month. And this oh, all cool. started, you know, kind of the backstory is last Memorial Day, we ran a six mile urban adventure race. So think kind of like a Spartan race or a Tough Mudder but sure. um, all, all on asphalt in Wheeling, West Virginia, um, called Tumpus Nails. Yeah, yeah. So six miles, 20 obstacle course, uh, 20 obstacles along the way. It was incredible. One of the one of the coolest things I've ever done athletically. But the build up to that was, hey, if we're going to run six miles, we need to start, um, you know, running. So we we went kind of the train <laughs> for 5K route. And that that was pretty good. And then she's stuck with it. So January, um, the Columbus running company does a thing called the inspire Columbus challenge. And it's go out and walk or run a mile every day of January. You know, so this is, we're getting into this cold, nasty weather. And if you, you know, you want to be committed to it. So if you can do it every day in January, it'll become a habit that'll stick with you. So we've, we've been doing that. We actually went out today and, and had a nice, uh, 2.1, 2.2 mile hike at uh, Blackwoods part, uh, Black Lick Woods Metro Park. Sorry, let me sputter those words out correctly. Yeah. So that was nice. Great day for it. And yeah, that that's probably the closest thing. I didn't think of it as a New Year resolution, but that's maybe recommitment to good habits. How's that? That's good. And, and you know what? That's that's always a good way to put it to you. Don't want to you don't want to attach like a specific thing to it always because sometimes it just can't happen. But that's that's cool. I like I think that's really cool that you're doing that. So that's awesome. Um, I did a 5K once without training and I was like, I can run a 5k. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so I did it. And I'm like, first of all, I hate running. I really hate running. I played soccer probably for like, oh God, maybe 13 years, something like that. Since I was a real little kid till I graduated high school. And I was like bad, but not like, I don't know. I always have to kind of, I, I do want to be accurate. I was bad. There's no doubt about this. I was not a good soccer player, but I was bad compared to the players on my team who were mostly very, very good. So I, I am still bad. I, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> discourage anyone from thinking I was a bad soccer player because I was, but I was slightly better than that would imply. So my point is, is I know how to run a little bit um, because I did a lot of it and I just don't like it. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I can run 5k. Like I've spent 13 years being a, a less than mediocre soccer player. I can run a damn 5k. <laughs> and I got out there and I did a five, I did like maybe, I don't know, a mile and a half of it. And I was like, man, it's a lot longer than I thought. And then I got like another, like maybe third of a mile. And I'm like, man, this, this just keeps going. And suffice to say, I finished it, but I did not enjoy my experience. So I, I appreciate the fact that you are doing this particularly on a monthly basis. I think that's really impressive. So good for you and just got to scale it up now and you'll be doing marathons in no time. So yes, the thing, things I don't see thing. happening for a thousand Alex. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're basically the same thing. You can do it. Um, my, my news resolution is a little bit similar. You know, I broke my collarbone um, was prohibited from like lifting or I'd, I'm still not allowed to lift anything over my head. Cause I've, it's just not healing super great, but I was like, screw that. I'm getting to the gym anyway. So I'm trying to be much more consistent about that. And for the past couple of weeks I have been, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. So even though I'm not going to be, 
you know, John and Ginter benching 225, anything like that. Um, hopefully I'll be able to like John and Ginter, you know, get on the treadmill or get on the stationary bike for a half hour or something like that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, our next question, this is from uh, our, our, our buddy Suncard. Suncard wants to know, uh, do you think the NCAA should attempt to have the Power Five conferences do challenges like the SEC Big Ten each play a crossover game each season? Kind of like the ACC Big Ten challenge, right, that they have in basketball. Uh, do you think teams will avoid tougher games because they can make the playoffs anyway? Thanks, Suncard. Suncard, they're doing it already. That's already happening. <laughs> they're already purposely making sure that their schedule set up for them to play beatable out-of-conference games when they have to schedule them and then have as easy a possible um, conference schedule. And I know that's not, you can't really do much about that unless, unless you uh, make sure that you're in a dominant conference and then don't worry about cross play too much. So um, I don't know, man, I, I think that would be cool. I just don't think that would ever happen. I don't see either. I, don't, I particularly don't see the sec kind of going for that. Well, that's the interesting thing. I, I saw a meme or somebody's popping off on Twitter, uh, which I probably spend entirely too much time following people popping off on Twitter. But we were making the comment, um, you know, if you go back to the last X number of uh, playoffs, uh, playoff winners, that they were teams that played an eight game conference schedule, right? So yeah. uh, you went back and said, I'd have to look at all these to see who they were. But essentially it's, you know, Clemson, uh, Alabama, and, and and you know, what this is the first time since what, like 2013 that Al- neither Alabama nor the uh, Patriots are going to win the right. national championships. Kind of wild. But so, yeah, it was like Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama. They've just sort of rotated. You know, they're teams that have played an eight game conference schedule. Right. And so the same with the runner up has been Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia the last four times there. So what, what am I, what am I saying? Well, they're wanting to schedule this, uh, you know, these conference games as few as possible. Cause those are tougher games in theory. And right. we're going to play the Citadel and we're going to play Walford and we're going to play, you know, whatever, whatever other sisters of the blessed poor type teams, we can schedule in here. So a cross conference challenge while fans, we'd love that. I mean, I'll, that's why I get excited about when they announce some of these home and home um, schedules. You look at Ohio state traveling to Oregon. That's going to be fantastic. Sure. Uh, but when, you know, getting that institutionalized, you look Ohio state and the PAC 12, we're going to have their whatever partnership Alliance type of thing. And that got scuttled in the name of a nine game conference schedule, which I'm okay with, but, it's also sad that we're not going to see Ohio State playing USC and Oregon and you know some of those other teams. Uh, I mean, Arizona State with under under Herm Edwards. You know, you're not going to see those games happening right. regularly. I think from a fan standpoint, it would be fantastic. Uh, but currently, the incentives are schedule as easy a conference as you an easiest schedule as you can get away with if you feel like you can get uh, into the playoffs. Like conference sure. schedule only seems to matter if you're not a brand. Well, the other thing that I would also say is that the other entity that would be really pissed about the idea of these teams playing more, you know, especially these blue bud teams, but even the power five conferences playing more out of conference games against each other earlier in the season, 
you know, if you have some kind of like ACC Big Ten challenge where you have mass, you know, amounts of this type of game going on would really be the Bulls. The Bulls would be super pissed about this. And they would hate the idea that it might take away from some of the, I think, specialness of what they do. And I know, I know at the end of the season, there's no momentum and stuff, but then, you know, if you have, if you have the ACC and the big 12 or the PAC 12 and the big 10 or whatever, playing each other with regularity at the beginning of the season. And that's like a guaranteed thing. You know, you've got a lot of these other bowls going like, how do we prove to people that we need to exist? Um, and I, I think that would be difficult. And I think they would be kind of angry about that. They would be, you know, not super happy that that uniqueness that they supposedly have would be taken away, which I have no problem with. I think it should be taken away because I think half the bowl shouldn't exist. But that's another conversation. Um, well, I mean, that's I, I think so, that would so cause mean, that's... trouble. I think that would be difficult. That should have been the answer to the question, frankly, is, yeah, we already have this. It's called bowl season. I mean, that was yeah. the you know, part of the impetus or in theory, one of the, one of the great things about bowl games, you look at, uh, you know, some of the matchups you had this season, like USC, Iowa, if you go back a generation, that, that would have been, you know, one of the biggest games of the year, right? Power, powerful, big 10 team, powerful PAC 12 team. Those that, you know, those are the kind of matchups you look for Ohio state Clemson, same, same kind of deal. Oklahoma LSU, those are teams you don't see playing each other on a regular basis. And so you would see them in a bowl game and it would be a big deal. And now we've, we've changed all of that. You know, now that the focus is playoff or bust and you know, how many bowl games did the average football fan actually watch this season out of the 58 and a half that there are, you know, it's, it's changed and uh, having it at the end of the season. uh, And now, you know, if your team loses, well, they didn't really care about it that much because it wasn't a playoff game and the, right. the top players were sitting out to get ready for the draft or whatever it happens. But, you know, a generation ago, that was that was going to be appointment viewing. Somebody else brought this up on the Twitter. Uh, we were watching the uh, Tournament of Roses parade, still one of my favorite traditions on New Year's Day is to watch the parade. And, you know, we were sitting there talking about this and I saw someone comment on Twitter like, you know, back in the day, all of the best games of bowl season would have happened on New Year's Day, mm-hmm. right? And you would have just been watching football all day long, except for the time you were watching the parade, and it would have been amazing. Right. And now we've, you know, stretched this out and watered it down so much that well, it's, a, then, it's a different thing. And to your point, you know, we would be discussing, you know, the upcoming, uh, or not the upcoming, we've been talking about maybe the the uh, the way that the uh, national champs is going to shake out or had shaken out. Yeah. Or is in the process of shaking out, depending on when you listen to this. But instead, it's like, okay, there's another week. And so, I don't know. The whole thing is really silly and kind of weird. And I don't know. I mean, for Ohio State's, you know, perspective, their upcoming schedule is pretty damn legit, right? They're out of conference. They're playing Oregon. They're playing Notre Dame. Uh, You've got Texas at some point. You've got Washington. I think Georgia's in the 2030s, even looking that far ahead. So this is not, you know, Ohio State is not hurting for out-of-conference opponents, but if you're you're getting angry about the way the SEC schedules, well, they are not changing that. They have no incentive to change that because it's working out for them, right? Clemson has no reason not to schedule Wofford. Like, they, these, are, these are approaches that do not need to be changed in their estimation because there's no reason to change it. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how it works out. I, you know, I want to see more of this, um, you know, American League, National League kind of thing going on. I want to see I want to see teams play each other that don't traditionally do it during the season. I just don't think that there's a lot of incentive for that to happen right now, unfortunately. So hopefully it does, but you know, maybe if more people demand it. Um, so that's ask us anything this week. Uh keep sending those questions in, particularly in the offseason. We always like answering them. 
Speaking of the national championship, Andy, who do you got? Who do you, who do you like in uh, the LSU Clemson game? Yeah, so this is one of those that I, I was talking uh, about this with the little tyke the other day, and I said, on one hand, the part of me that is spiteful and vindictive, and you know all those kind of things, says uh, LSU by a hundred, man. I just want to <laughs> see them right. drive. Clemson, you know, is is uh, you know like. I have Michigan level hatred as I've said the past few weeks toward that program now and what nothing good for them and everything bad. So LSU all the way, baby. The other part of me says, you know, you, you want the team that beat you by the slimmest of margins to go out and win it all. Right. So you can say, well, yeah, this makes sense, especially if it's a a convincing win. Right. Because then you could say, Hey, you know, Clemson was legit and look, they took mighty LSU and humbled them and Ohio State outplayed them for the better part of that game. And, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, momentum shifts here and there and one bad call here. And, you know, that could have been Ohio State. So, you know, my head says, well, I probably should be pulling for Clemson. But no, heck with that. I'm going to be spiteful and vindictive and say, Joe Burrow, take it to the take him to the woodshed and and make him forget uh, every good thing that ever happened to them. So there you go. Go Tigers. Okay, so I they do not give out trophies for having lost the eventual national champion. So I I agree with you. Uh, I think LSU. I'm I'm definitely an LSU fan uh, for the national championship. I think they get it done. And a lot of people are saying this is going to be a close game or calling Clemson or whatever. Uh, here's the deal: um, Justin Fields threw for like 320 yards on a gimpy leg against the Brent Venables defense, right? And it would have been almost 350 yards if Olave doesn't break off his route. So my point is, is that if Justin Fields can do that, I'm pretty sure that Joe Burrow, who's been throwing for like 500 yards a game in the past month, uh, or the past like four games, I guess, um, can replicate that on two good legs. So I, you know, I, I really think LSU has the edge here. I think they're going to win actually pretty comfortably. I think, you know, right now the line's fairly high. I expect them to cover. I think they'll do pretty easily do pretty well against uh clemson so uh hopefully that happens and hopefully we can you know celebrate some small measure of success by saying well you know he used to be an ohio state football player so yeah well we pretty much the same even, even setting that that aside ohio boy does good yeah i'm okay with and, and you look you know i i have feelings about the sec i don't have any hate in my heart for lsu uh you nope. know coach george we, we've talked about this before you know farmer friend seems like one of the most likable guys in the business he genuinely cares about those kids hey that's great joe burrows this whole team of destiny thing with these guys it's playing in new orleans it's like it's meant to be let's yeah, go and celebrate the story fooey on dabo and you know let's let's enjoy it Agree 100%. So we will be back next time to break it all down. Uh, Until then, I am Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll talk to you next time.